So great. So uh, we are in the final week of our January se- series that is entitled More. So, so far we have looked at more of his presence. We have looked at, uh, you know, more connections. We have looked at more reach. Uh, last week, Pastor Young was here and he delivered a great message on reach, more reach. And today we are going to be concluding on our January series on the topic, more room, more room. You know, uh, in order to experience the best 2018, we have to make more room. And talking about more room, 2,000 years ago, the landlord of the heavens and the earth came to one of his apartment complexes in Bethlehem. And the Bible declares that there was no room for him in the inn. Uh, The songwriter also said, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive a king. He says, let every heart prepare what? Prepare him room. So there is, there is uh, a necessity for us to make room, make room for the Savior, make room for what his plans are for our lives. God wants us to make more room. And today we are going to be reading from 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. And by the way, uh, Christian or no Christian, the Bible is a good book to read. Amen. I, mean, I, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just... The, the best romantic stories are not found in all of what you are trying to read. They are found in the Bible. Uh-oh, you see, you not believe me because you are not reading it. You know, you know, the hardest themes that you can ever imagine, the hardest topics to read about are found in the Bible. In fact, there are some things in the Bible that when you read, you would look at, around and, and, and wonder if you are still in the Bible. I, I promise you. Keep reading and you would see that Everything that you ever will need, from science to arts to almost something that looks like fiction and really it's true, all of that is found in the Bible. You know, if you are looking for good poems, if you are looking for real poetry, it is found in the Bible. By the way, the Bible is the best seller ever. It outsells every other book in all of mankind, all of mankind's history. The Bible constantly outsells every book that has ever been written. That tells you the power of, uh, of, of the Bible. And so if you don't, if you know, sometimes you can read the Bible even for the literally content that it has. Even, even if you ignored the spiritual content, you could still read it and you will still have a great story. So uh, one of the, the, sto- the stories that we're going to read this morning is just one of such stories. Very interesting, intriguing story. And I want you to follow through with me. Well, it is taken from a time when the kings ruled ancient Israel and when the prophets were God's mouthpiece to the people of Israel. So I want us to read that story. It's a very interesting story. Uh, 2 Kings 4, from 1 to 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Elisha was the prophet in the day. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know how he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. Elisha. The prophet replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you 
and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it on one side. Verse 5, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Notice the word kept pouring. Verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is no jar left. The oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell and pay, or go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons shall live on what is left. What a story. What a story. That's why I said, if you, even if you don't want to read the Bible for the spiritual, just read it just for the sake of the story. Great story. So here is uh, a prophet of God. He is one of 700 or uh, 7,000 prophets that the Bible says that have not bowed themselves to Baal. Remember that in the, in the spiritual, you know, the ancient Israel, even though there was a worship of Jehovah God, there was still the worship of, uh, you know, idols. And they had several gods. And uh, there were prophets that were serving not for the great God, but they were serving, you know, the idol gods. And so they were standing as uh, people that were the mouthpiece for their gods, little g. And so, uh, but um, this particular prophet happened to be one of them that did not bow down his head to Baal and that he did not worship an idol. And so it is said that this prophet died. And according to the account of his wife, it is said, the wife said, but you know, and he was talking to Elisha, the prophet. He said, you know that he revered the Lord. You know that he served God. So let me just preface this by saying that you can be a holy prophet and still be in debt. Uh, to put it in, you know, in, in a better context, you can be a Christian and life will still happen to you. Oh, no, no, it seems like you did not hear me. You, were not, you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me. What I was saying is that our godliness does not immune us to the issues or the problems of life. You see, we too get attacked by sickness and disease. We too get swamped by debt. We too get into trouble in our marriages and relationships, even though we are Christians. We too suffer career disappointments. Life happens to us too. So we see we live in the university of life. In the university of life, nobody is spared from anything. In fact, because of the fact that you are a Christian actually makes you a target. So it doesn't spare you. Instead, it puts you on the crosshairs of the devil's attacks. You know, uh, there is a story in the Bible, like I told you, read the Bible. There are wonderful stories there. You know, there was a man called Job, and this guy was a perfect man. He lived a right life. In fact, he so lived a right life, God caught himself bragging about Job to Satan. That's how serious it was. And he got himself into a relationship, you know, into a you know, discussional uh, relationship with Satan and says, he says, where have you been? He, you know, he saw Satan and he was just asking, where have you been? And Satan said, well, you know, I've been going to and fro the earth from China to the US and then back to Africa, back and then up to Iceland and all of that. And then the, the, the Lord asked Job, you know, Satan a question. He says, have you seen my servant, Job? 
And he said, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I see, I've seen him. He said, have you considered that there is no one on the surface of the earth like this man who fears me, who reveres me, who does what is right? Now, I want to read you the response that Satan gave uh, God when he asked him this question. It's found in Job 1, 10 and 11. It says, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now, and here's the catch, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. So here was God bragging about his servant Job, just like he would brag about any one of of us here that is a believer. And Satan said, well, Job is serving you because you have made things good for him. I mean, who who will be protected and who will have a lot of money? Who will be prospering? I would not love God. He said, but let, give me a chance. Let me take all of what he has and see if Job will not curse you to the face. And so Job will go through a series of things. He will lose his family, his sons. He will lose his cattle, lose his herds, lose all of the things that he has worked for in all of his life. And in all of these things, he would not understand that what came to him was the result of a bragging game that God had with Satan. So in, the fact that you are a Christian makes you a target because Satan is saying about you, don't you see? He says, but it's because you have protected her. It's because you have protected their relationship. It's because you have protected their health. That's why they keep serving. That's why they keep coming to church on Sunday in spite of the snow that is outside. So why everybody is sleeping in, they are coming. It's because you have blessed them. It's because you keep encouraging them. It's because you keep strengthening them. He said, but just give me a chance let me touch one of them. See if they will not curse you to the face. You know, I want each one of us to, de- to develop a tenacity that says, I'm going to make the devil, <laughs> we are going to make the devil know that we are not going to let him in. Amen. Yes. And no matter whatever stuff is held at us, we know the God that we have trusted in him, how faithful that he is. And so that is what is going on here. So life happened even to this woman, lost her husband, was in debt, and now the debtors were, or the, the creditors were coming to take hold of her boys and to put them into slavery. It was the tradition of the day that if somebody owed you and they could not pay you the debt, you could take their children and they could become your slaves and work for the money that you owed them. So think about that. <laughs> think about that a little moment. Uh, what if we, we, your children were confiscated by the bank <laughs> and asked to serve as, uh, you know, cleaning the, 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 bank, the bank for the rest of their lives so that all the money was paid? Think about that. But that was what was going on in the day. And she came to the man of God and said, man of God, if you don't help us, what is God saying about this situation? If you don't help us, my children are going to be taken away and there is nothing that can be done about it. The Bible says the prophet asked her, what can I do? And he said, what do you have? 
What do you have in the house? The woman said nothing. And then almost like in passing, she said, um, except a little jar of olive oil. Now that looks like us men, you know, Christians many times. We always look at ourselves from the perspective of what we don't have. You know, I don't have a good relationship. You know, I don't have a large bank account. Don't have a very big house. You know, my children are not very intelligent. <laughs> we always look at ourselves from what we don't have. And you are laughing, but that's how, that's how stupid we become, right? We always look at ourselves from the things we don't have. We never look at ourselves from what we have. So she said, I have nothing. And then suddenly something dawned on her. I said, oh, oh except for you know, the little olive oil in the jar somewhere. But that is not anything, right? Now, I remember that is the same kind of story when Jesus was faced with 5,000 men you know, outside of women and children in the desert place and they needed food. And Jesus told the disciples, says, give them to eat. And then they said, Lord, we don't have food. And they said, well, uh, except for this little boy here who brought some two fish and five loaves of bread, but what is that in the midst of 5,000? So always, many times we always define ourselves by what we don't have. But when we look in this passage, we see that God is interested in what we have and what he has given to us than what he, we don't have and what he has not given to us. So I want us to see three uh, lessons in this story. Number one, the answer can be found in places we least expect. You know, when he, the prophet said, what do you have in the house? She, she said, I don't have anything. Then she said, I have a little jar of olive oil. But you know that God is interested in what you have. God wants us to serve him with what we have, where we are, and with all that we represent. Because in every one of us, he has given to us something. It, you might look at it, you might look at it, it might be small to you, but that is all that you need. I remember there was a time in the Bible when uh, you know, one of the heroes of the Bible killed 700 men with the jawbone of a donkey. What do you have? What do you have? You see, the problem is not whether you have strong and mighty tools and weapons to fight the enemy. The question is whether you can trust God enough with what you have and where you are right now. Because if you can trust God with the little that you think you have, little is much when, you have, have you heard that? Little is much when God is in it. So God wants us to trust him. And each one of us as a believer, we are part of his body. We are his fingernails, we are his toes, we are everything. He is the head of the church. We are parts of his body. We are important. We carry something. No matter what you might think about yourself, you might just say, well, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I always like to say this all the time. When, you know, as, since I came to the UP, I always like to say this. Sometimes we, we always tend to, be, to behave like we are the forgotten part of Michigan. In fact, some maps of the U.S. don't have the U.P. there because we are given to Wisconsin and all of that. So that's why many times, <laughs> many times I always, you know, uh, 
I always joke with people and say, well, I left, you know, because I left from uh, McAllen, Texas. It's just at the border of, uh, the, border of uh, you know, um, the U.S. and Mexico. So sometimes I tell people that I left from uh, northern Mexico to southern Canada. <laughs> but in spite of where we are, the interesting thing is that God knows us. God loves us. God is, cares about us, even if the other parts of Michigan don't, don't care about us. God cares about us. We are known by him. We are revered by him. Look at what the Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, the Bible says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 18 says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So you are a part of the body. You are an essential part of this church, the local body of believers and the global body of believers. Each one of us counts. We can start where we are. We can start with what we have. We, we can start with what you have. You might not know how to pray one hour of prayer a day, but can you pray one second of prayer? Can you pray one minute of prayer? Start with where you are, with what you have. That is what God is looking for. And so he told this woman, he said, what do you have? And she said, well, just a little jar. Again, remember that the answers might be found in places where you don't expect. You know, when I look at my own personal story, born in a little village in Africa, you know, in Cameroon, Africa, and, uh, you know, um, and hardly knew my father. I, I can count how many times I have met my biological father in my life, you know, and all of that. But I would think that God would take me from wherever he took me and literally place me in a place where I can go anywhere in the world and I can preach the gospel anywhere in the world. That is what God can do. I don't want you to look down on yourself. I want you to know that each one of us is important to God and God, God loves us and God is going to use us to do mighty things. Even if all what we think we have is that whatever we tell, tell ourselves, the story that we tell ourselves. So we can find answers in, on, on the unexpected places. That is what this woman found, that the answer was in that little jar of oil that she has. Because remember... The prophet said, go shut yourself up. He said, by the way, the prophet said, go and borrow many jars from your neighbors. So imagine she was walking from one neighbor to the other. Do you have a jar? <laughs> oh, Marie, do you have a jar? I said, oh, I have just two. Say, quick, please, can I have them? Oh, do you have a jar? And borrowed. And then the prophet said, borrow as many as you can. So they went from house to house, borrowed so many jars. And when they had shut themselves in, they took a little flask, tiny flask of oil and began to pour a little, and began to pour into the, the bigger jar. And the Bible says that the oil continued to run and until they were able to fill all of the jars. And at, at one point, when she was filling the last one, she asked, my son, can you bring yet another jar? I said, mom, it's finished. And then when the sun said it is finished, then the Bible says that the oil stopped to flow. Number two, God is able to go above and beyond what you need. The Bible says that when the prophet had 
you know, when this woman had filled all of the different jars and came back to the prophet and said, I have done what you asked me to do. The prophet said, go and sell the oil, take care of your debts, and whatever is remaining, I want you to live on that. So God was not only able to take care of the widow's debt, but to take care of her entire living with she and her children. There is a God that is able to take care of us. There is a God who loves us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ever ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in us. There is a God who can do, I like the way the King James puts it. It says God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Think about that. It's like the Bible falls short of words. Now if you say God can do beyond, we already understand that. But when you say God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above, uh-uh. come on, it's too much for me, right? If you just said he can do more, I mean, we understand what more is. But the Bible says not only that, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever think, ask, or even imagine. Can you believe that? Now, if God could just do what you can imagine. Hello? If God could only do what you imagine. But the Bible says he is not just up to that. He is up to doing what you cannot even and beyond what you can even imagine. What a loving God that we have. And that's what he did for this woman. This woman was just asking for just, just let me just take care of the debts. Let me just take care of the Let me at least save my sons from slavery. But she meant more than that. Our debts were paid away. And then she was able to have enough to live on. Mark 9 verse 29 says, Mark 9 23 says, uh, when someone came to Jesus and says, can you heal my possessed son? Here is what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. When we believe God, all things are possible. That's why I want you to make room in your heart for God. That's why we want you to make room in your faith and your belief for God. Believe him for greater things. Believe him that it is all things are possible to him who believes. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says all things are possible with God. But God, you know, but if all things are possible with God, we, are, we can give the excuse. Well, it's possible with God. I'm not God. But he says all things are possible to him who believes in that God? So the question is, do you believe in that God? Can you have faith in him? Can you trust him with your life? Can you trust him with your family? Can you trust him with the troubles or the things that you are going through? Because if you can believe him, then all things will be possible even to you. All things are possible to him that believes. God wants us to trust him more than ever before and make room in our hearts for him. The third thing I want to share this morning, our faith determines the size of our miracle. Our faith is what will determine the size of our miracle. Notice what, what the prophet said to this woman. He said to her, gather as many jars, not a few. 
So now, the definition of not a few will determine how much miracle this woman has. So if she gathered a, a hundred jars, she will have a hundred jars full of oil to sell and take care of her debt. Remember her debt were constant, right? So anything that is above and beyond is what she will live on. So she could have borrowed two jars and said, well, I have done my best, you know. I mean, I just went to a few more neighbors. Well, you know, most of the time, well, when we want to borrow something from somebody, we don't borrow a, an empty jar. We, we, we go for what is in the jar. But she was borrowing just the job because God was going to provide for what it was going to be inside. And so God said, just, just a job, just something I can work with, something I can work with. And the Bible says that if, you know, she brought jars, we are not told how many jars she brought. But the Bible says that the oil will not cease to pour and to run until she will run out of the jars that she brought. And that is how it is with God. Our faith determines the size of our miracle. If you, can, if you can trust God enough to bring a thousand jars to him, guess what he will do? He will fill a thousand jars. If we commit to him our families and our children, our spouses, if we commit to him our careers and the things that we hope for, our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations, he is able to meet each one of those. The question is, which one will you bring to him? You know, are you going to hold some back or are you going to bring everything? The instructions were, don't bring a few. So when we come to God, don't bring a few problems. You know, don't keep some, don't, don't bring the major ones and leave the small ones. By the way, I noticed something in life. I don't know if you have learned that too. The big things are the small things and the small things are the big ones. You know, every time people have problems with relationships, most of the time it's not the big stuff, small stuff. You know, like squeezing the toothpaste from a wrong direction. <laughs> small stuff. But over time, the small stuff accumulates and bitterness is accumulating. And, you know, and there's that indifference that is working on it. Very soon, two people are separating because of a toothpaste. But none of them will tell you that. You know, say, in, irreconcilable differences. That's what they will say. But the difference was... Should we hit it from the bottom there or in the middle? Or that was really. <laughs> that is why when we come to God, we have to come to God with everything. You come to him with your life. You come and pour out our lives before him. Why? Because sometimes the big things are the small ones. But it depends on how we bring it before the Lord. I remember two blind you know, men that came to Jesus for healing. Matthew 9, 28 to 30 says... When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Their sight was restored according to their faith. Do you have faith this morning? Can you trust God? For big things to happen in your life. God moves in the atmosphere of faith. Our faith is important for miracles to happen in our lives. God wants us to trust him more than ever before. I remember in the, in the past summer, we were dwelling, uh, the past summer we were dwelling 
on uh, the prayer of Jabez. And since the past summer, I have not recovered from the prayer of Jabez. It still haunts me, the, the power of that prayer. Now, that prayer is recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Let me read it for you this morning. Jabez cried out to the Lord God of Israel, and this is what he prayed. He says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So look at what he was praying for. He said, oh, that you will bless me indeed. So in other words, God wants us to trust him enough to ask him for stuff. That, you will, that he will bless us indeed. When he says indeed, I imagine like he didn't just want to have a little blessing that us, uh, a little blessing that nobody can identify, that people will need to fast and pray to see if he was really blessed. He wanted a blessing that was evident, the blessing that everyone can see, that you will bless me indeed. But there is one more thing that Jabez prayed. He said that you would enlarge my territory. In other words, that you will make more room for me. I want more room. I want more space. And by the way, the Bible says that Jabez was called so-called because he was born in pain. The mother gave him the name. The Jabez means pain. So every time they said Jabez, it was like pain. Pain, come here. Pain, go get me some stuff from here. Pain and pain and pain. But the Bible says that he became more honorable than all of his brothers because he prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. He was actually saying, Lord, make more room for me. I need more room in my, you know, for my relationship and my family. I need more room in my finances, Lord. I, I need more room in my, my influence, my sphere of influence. Make me to be somebody bigger than what I am. Lord God, let me be bigger than what, uh, uh, you know, the, the part of the, the country that I live in. Let me be bigger than my zip code. You are better than your zip code. You are more than your zip code. You have to believe that because that's what God has called you. You are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. That is what the Bible declares about us. We have to start believing the things that God says about us. So this January, we have talked about more presence, more connection, more reach. And today we are concluding with more room. Can you make more room for God to work in your family? More room for him to work in your finances. Do you know that God can bless you? Do you know that God can prosper you? Do you believe that he can solve that difficulty that you have in some of your relationships? Do you know that he can cause you to reconcile with your, with your, with your son, your daughter, that person that you're having a hard time with? Do you know that God can heal your heart, take away the bitterness? Do you know that he can, he can grant you the, the power to forgive that person that you're holding in your heart? You know, by the way, when you live with unforgiveness, it does not destroy anybody except you. Do you notice that? Someone said that, you know, forgiveness is something you do to someone only to realize that you did it to yourself. You know, forgiveness is freeing a slave from something, only to realize that you were the one who was freed. God wants us to believe him for more. You know, in the past few months, you know, under the leadership of the pastor, the deacons of this church, uh, I, you know, have been feeling in our heart that God has more for this church. You know, more room. And we have been thinking about making more room. You know, right now we have been using, we have been using the hub as, you know, part of our service. 
But we are trusting the Lord that we all will be able to worship in a bigger place where all of us are under the same roof as one family, as one big family. We want to make more room. And God is going to use you and God is going to use, God is going to use a person seated by you. He's going to provide you some neighbors that will have jars. And we are going to fill those jars and trust him for greater things that he has for us. I want us to believe God for great things. And certainly when we have our, you know, our annual meeting that comes up sometime this, this February, the pastor will be talking and casting the vision about how we can take the church and we can take our local body of believers to the next level. But we have to make more room. Say more room. More room. So this morning I feel like that's what God wants to do. More room. If you feel like you're in a tight place, you feel like God needs to do something in your life. This morning is a perfect morning for that. It's a morning of breakthrough. More room for, your, for health in your family. And it, so it doesn't matter where you are in the hub or you are here. This is the time where we trust God. Where we say, enlarge my territory, Lord. Help me to believe you more for my family. For the things that concern me. And can we rise up to our feet this morning? And I want us just to have a moment and just think about we have listened, what we have listened to. More room. Make room for him. Believe him that with him all things are possible. And as the choir leads us in this, you know, this time of meditation and worship. If you, feel, if you, if, if you feel like you have been in a, in a spot where you want to move. You want more room. More room in your finances. More room in your faith. In God, more room in your relationships and in your family. And you're saying, Lord God, I, I feel like I'm in a tight spot. There's, I, I need something, a release in my spirit, an emotional release. As the choir is leading us, just walk to the front. This morning, we are going to trust God. Remember that as you trust him by faith and you move here, that faith is going to give you a miracle. So if you're sick in your body or you're trusting him, giving your heart to Christ, rededicating your life to him. Whatever is it that you are trusting God for, all things are possible today. So I want to open up the altars and feel free to walk here. Don't, be, don't care for who is looking at you. We couldn't care less about that. You are walking up to your God and he is here and is willing to answer you.